Hello and welcome to Bible 101. We're here today with Brother Greg Ross, back by popular demand. The fans have spoken once again, and so they said, give us Greg Ross. So, uh, Brother Ross, how are you doing? Thank you, Brother Mills. Good to, good to be back with you. Thank you very much. Uh, without further ado, he's going to go ahead and get started. Thank you, Brother Mills, once again. And let me start out by saying praise the Lord, everyone that would be listening today, wherever you're at in the world, no matter what time of day it is, may God bless you. And we trust that the things that will be said and taught today would be a help and a blessing and a strength to all of those that would listen in. Um, again, my name is Brother Greg Ross, and at the time of this recording, I'm 63 years old, and about 41 years ago, um, my life was, uh, it's a long story, so I won't go into it, but Jesus Christ picked me up out of a horrible pit of sin, set my feet on a rock, and established my goings, and I am sitting here today as a, a grateful, thankful, blessed man. So I just wanted to let you know that very quickly. And uh, I'm excited about today's lesson, spent some time in prayer and study, and uh, wherever you're at, if it's possible, you might want to get a Bible. There's a lot of scriptures to cover today, um, and if you want to get a pen and paper, that would be great too. And so, with all that said, the title of today's lesson is The Oneness versus Trinity. And uh, when, I, uh, when, when I first came into the church and God delivered me and set me free, uh, I had very minimal Bible knowledge about much of anything. I knew that there was a God. I knew that there was a Bible. I'd heard some of the Bible stories of Adam and Eve, David and Goliath, and so on and so forth. I'd heard the word Trinity, that term before. It was never really uh, explained to me or really no knowledge or understanding of it. But then when I came into the apostolic church and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, was baptized in Jesus' name, this wonderful revelation of the oneness was revealed to me. And so I'm going to talk about that today. And if you have your Bibles and want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, all good Bible studies start out with Scripture text. In fact, some bad Bible studies start out with Scripture text. But with the help of the Lord, this will be a good Bible study today in Jesus' name. Before we, we uh, read our Scripture text, let's take a moment to pray and ask the Lord to help us. Dear Lord Jesus, we need you so much, God. We need you to help us today, direct our thoughts and our words. We pray, God, that all that would listen to this today would have an understanding and a revelation of who you are, O oh God. We thank you, Lord, for the time to be here, and we pray, God, that as we open the word of God, we open our hearts to hear and understand more about your word and more about you in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Excuse me. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Verse 5, and, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Another scripture text in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. It goes on to say, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. I want to start today, I'm going to give us two definitions. One definition will be the definition of the Trinity. And I have some things written here. Uh, I have some uh, dictionary definitions. I have some things that were written by Trinitar Trinitarians themselves 
uh, trying to explain their position of the Trinity. Then we're going to have a definition of the oneness, <clears throat> and then we're going to go right to the Word of God and see which one fits. I would like for you to imagine today, if you would, that there are two buckets set before us, and one bucket we're going to write oneness on, and the other bucket we're going to write Trinity. And uh, as we begin to put the Scripture in these buckets, we're going to see which one holds water by the time we get done today. Here are some things that Trinitarians say about the Trinity. One God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. One God who eternally exists as three distinct persons. God is one in essence and three in person, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Are distinct persons. Each person is fully God. There is only one God. Got that? Are we confused yet? I know I am, but let's go on. Father is not Son. These are these. Let me explain again. These are writings from Trinitarians explaining the Trinity doctrine. <clears throat> Father is not the Son. Son is not Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, not the Father. They relate to each other personally. They are three real persons. They are equal in power, love, mercy, justice, etc. Each person is 100% fully God. <clears throat> Here's what a Trinitarian said. We are not saying that God is one and then denying that he is one by saying he is three. God is one and three at the same time, but not in the same way. Is that perfectly clear? <clears throat> one, more, one more comment from a Trinitarian. Three persons of the Godhead are co-equal and co-eternal. All right, so there is your Trinity bucket, if we may say that, put it in that way. Uh, the oneness premise definition that we will use today is the view that God exists as one omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient spirit based on John chapter 4, verse 24, that God is a spirit. There is one indivisible God with no distinction of persons. Jesus Christ is all the fullness of the Godhead incarnate. All titles of the deity can be applied to Jesus Christ. Colossians 2 verse 9, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in Jesus bodily. <clears throat> so, there we go. Let's, let's, let's go, let's go to in, into this today. Praise God. We need to know more importantly what Trinitarians say and what oneness people say and give definitions. We want to know and we need to know. It's vitally important that we know what does the Bible say? What does the Scripture say? Number one, I will say that many of you may know Trinity is not in the Bible. And I will say that most Trinitarians that I have talked to would say uh, up front that, no, we don't believe in three gods, but I would beg to differ that their definition of the Trinity creates three gods. But the word Trinity itself is not in the Bible. In fact, that word and concept was developed uh, quite a few centuries after the original apostles had passed on. And uh, this Bible study today is not one of going so much back into the history of all that, but I did want to make mention of that. <clears throat> Excuse me again. Um, the writers of the Bible affirm a very strict monotheism, that is, one God, they very, they very specifically exclude any plurality or any type of polytheism. Uh, I looked up some things on what the Jews have to say about the Trinity. This is from a particular rabbi, and this is some of the things that he said, and I quote, 
The effort to base the Hebrew Bible on the conception of the Trinity flies in the face of the overwhelming story of the Bible. Hebrew scriptures are clear and unequivocal on the oneness of God. And that's the quote, and I added, one cannot believe in the Trinity and be Jewish. Quote, under no circumstances can a concept of a plurality of the Godhead or a Trinity ever be based on upon the Hebrew Bible. We started our scripture text out today with Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, and it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. This particular verse is one of the most important verses in uh, all, of, all of Judaism. Uh, this is the very first part of the Jewish prayer that they say every morning and every night. It's called the Shema, if I'm pr- pronouncing that correctly. This is the very first part of that, and it's the very most important part of it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. <clears throat> it is the oldest fixed prayer in Judaism. They pray it every morning, and they pray it every night, and it is the most important part of the Jewish prayer. There are actually three parts to that. This uh, first part we are focusing in on today. And in fact, if you want to turn over to Mark chapter 12 and verse 29, Jesus made mention of this also when he was speaking in Mark chapter 12, starting at verse 29. And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. What? This is the first commandment. Jesus acknowledged that this uh, particular verse of Scripture, acknowledging that there is one God, was extremely important. He called it the first of all the commandments. And so that is definitely something to be aware of. Now, I am going to go very quickly through some scriptures here that I have written down, <clears throat> and I wrote them down because to take the time to look them all up would uh, eat up some of our time. Uh, so as I'm going through these, you may not have time to turn to them unless you're very, very good. Uh, you may want to jot them down or turn to them, whatever you feel comfortable doing at this point. I want to start in the Old Testament. The Old Testament very plainly and emphatically declares that God is one. There is no place in the Jewish mindset for a polytheism, pluralistic of uh, uh, gods or a triune God. And from from the very first scriptures in the Old Testament, what we would call the Old Testament, it's very plainly stated. Let's let's see what the Bible has to say about this subject of who God is and what He is. Deuteronomy says, and this. This list by no means is exhaustive and complete, but I think it will satisfy our needs today. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 35 says, Unto thee it was shown that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God, there is none else beside him. Deuteronomy 32 and 39 says, See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God with me. You will notice the the uh, phraseology of I am or I am he, that is repeated many, many times. And we will mention that a little bit later. That was Deuteronomy 32, 39. <clears throat> there is no God with me. First Chronicles 17 and verse 20. O Lord, there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee. Second Samuel chapter 7 and verse 22. Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none other like thee, neither is there any God 
beside thee. How's that Trinity bucket hold, holding up over there? Oh, it's not holding up very good. Looks like we got some leakage problems going on. Let's move on. Isaiah chapter 44 and verse 6. <clears throat> Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. I will take the minute. We can all turn together to Isaiah 45 and 18. And I'm turning there also. That was 44 and verse 6. In Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 18, the scripture says, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord. And what? There is none else. Praise God. I'm glad I know who Jesus is today. Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 9 says, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and his name, not two, not three, but one. Uh, we could go back to Psalm chapter 86 and verse 10. For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 10, that you may know and I believe, and, excuse me, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. There's that phrase again. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. And uh, I, I want to pause here a minute. I want to recall to you some of the words of the Trinitarians and see how this is, how this is matching up here. Let's see. The, the Trinity says, uh, we're not saying that God is one and then denying that He is one by saying He is three. God is one and three at the same time, but not in the same way. Three persons of the Godhead are co-equal and co-eternal. I ask you today, as we read these Scriptures, does the Trinitarian doctrine... Does the scriptures match up with the Trinitarian doctrine as presented by Trinitarians? The emphatic answer today is absolutely not. Thank God for the truth. Thank God to know who he is and that there is one God. Neither shall there be after me, the, the scriptures say. In verse 11 of Isaiah chapter 43, he says, I, even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Praise God. I'm glad to know who Jesus is. And those were that was a small sampling of the many scriptures that we could that we could go through in the in the Old Testament that declare that God is one, He is by Himself, there's none beside Him over and over and over again. And then our second scripture test uh, text that we read in First Timothy chapter three and verse sixteen. I believe we've well established here that the the uh, scriptures say, uh, say and teach us that there is one God and none beside of him. And the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, he, when he said, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. We know that there is one God. And he, he, uh, the Apostle Paul, only, only God before, uh, I didn't really mean to get into this, but he was raised as a very strict Jew, and he, the only God he knew was Jehovah, Yahweh, Elohim, and, um, and he was persecuting the church, and um, long story, didn't mean to get into all that, but one day Jesus Christ shined the light in his life, and he looked up into heaven and said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. This man the apostle, became the Apostle Paul, and he wrote these words, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God 
was manifest in the flesh. The only God he knew was Jehovah Yahweh Elohim, and that God was manifest to us. The word manifest means to be made known. It means to be revealed. It's revelatory. Uh, God was made known to us in the flesh of Jesus Christ. Jehovah, Yahweh, Elohim was made known to us in the flesh of Jesus Christ. It is truly a wonderful revelation. And um, I uh, wrote down uh, Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 22. I want to turn there very quickly. Isaiah chapter 45 and uh, verse 22. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness, and shall not return, that unto me what every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Very quickly turn over to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 10. We read in the scripture where Jehovah said, Jehovah said, um, Jehovah said um, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 10, that at the name of Jesus every knee bows of all things in heaven, things under the earth. We could also, we, we, you could look at, uh, I'll give you the scripture, Romans chapter 14 and verse 11 says a very similar scripture there. So, so we see this one God proclaimed throughout the Old Testament and all the Jews and uh, knew that there was only one God and st- still only one God. And then we get into the New Testament. What does the, what does the New, script- uh, New Testament Scriptures have to say? In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23, when it came time for uh, God to come to earth as a Savior, he said in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. This was a fulfillment of prophecy. And shall bring forth a son, and they, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. With being interpreted is the second person of the Trinity with us. No, friend, it doesn't say that. It says God with us. It doesn't say a part of God with us. Emmanuel is God with us. That one God was manifest and made known to us in Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 and verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, we could very uh, quickly again turn back to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 to give us the connection to what we just read there in Matthew chapter 1. Excuse me. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Now, anybody that knows anything about the Bible, oneness or trinity, would agree 100% that the child born is Jesus Christ and that the son given is Jesus. And so so if we look at this scripture and now that we know that the child born and the son given is Jesus, I'd like to read it that way to you for just a moment with no violation to the scripture in any way, shape, or form because we know who that child born. It was Jesus. So we could say, for unto us who is born? Jesus is born. Unto us who is given? Jesus is given. And the government shall be upon whose shoulder? Jesus' shoulder. 
and his name, whose name Jesus' name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of whose government? Of Jesus' government and peace. There shall be no end. Praise God. We can understand from the Word of God that Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. Turn over to back to the New Testament, if you would. And I said today there would be a lot of scriptures to turn to, so this is a Bible study, right? John chapter 4, uh, and verse, starting at verse 8, Jesus is talking to some of his disciples, Philip in particular here. Uh, John chapter 4 and verse 8, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Verse 9, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the second person in the Trinity? No, he said, He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Praise God. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. Also in the book of John, you could go over to John chapter 20 and verse 28. Um, Jesus had has now went through the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and he has made himself known to some of the disciples. One particular disciple by the name of Thomas had not seen him yet, and he was told that Jesus was alive, and he had some doubts about that. But in John chapter 20 and verse 28, uh, verse 27, we'll, we'll say, then he, Jesus, uh, then saith he, Jesus, to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, behold thy hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Praise God. Thomas had the revelation of who Jesus was. He called him Lord and God. I'm glad I know who Jesus is today. We can look at Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8, which says, <clears throat> this is Jesus speaking, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the what? The Almighty. Praise God. Verse 11 says, Jesus still speaking, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Praise God. The scriptures proclaim one God. Not just in a couple of verses. I didn't even count how many verses we read today and by no means exhaustive and complete. But Scripture after Scripture after Scripture proclaims that there is one God from cover to cover, front to back, side to side, however you want to stack it up, the Scriptures proclaim one God. Well, I'm taking a look at our, our buckets here today. The oneness bucket is overflowing. Praise God. The Trinity bucket, there's nothing left in it. It doesn't hold water. The Trinity doctrines, my friend, it does not hold water. It was, a, it was a doctrine that was developed hundreds of years after the apostles died. Thank God for the revelation who Jesus is. There's not two gods. There's not three gods. Uh, there's not a committee of God or a pluralistic uh, conglomeration of uh, many individuals that make up God. There is but one God, and Jesus is his name. Now, some would say, well, well, how can, how can he be a father and a son? Uh, sitting here with me today in our Bible study are a couple of men. Both of them have children, and both of them are obviously sons. And so I have one individual sitting in front of me. He's, he is both father and son. I would also say to you to consider uh, the same 
The Bible says that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The same way he's the father and the son, the same way he's a lion and a lamb. The Bible says he's, uh, that God is the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. The same way he's a rose and a lily is the same way he's the father and the son. We just read in Revelation that he's first and the last. How can he be first and the last? Same way he's father and the son. But I, I, I wonder sometimes why the Trinitarians just stop at three because when I read the Bible, I see more than three. I see more than, than three attributes of who God is and what he is. And so... <clears throat> So let me tell you a little bit more about who Jesus is. He is the advocate. He's, the, he's Zion's deliverer. He is the Lamb of God. He's the judge. He's the Lord of lords. He's the resurrection and the life. He's a man of sorrows. He's the shepherd and bishop of our souls. He's the head of the church. He's our master. He's faithful. He's the faithful and true witness. He's the rock. He's the door. He's our high priest. He's the living water. He's the bread of life. He is the rose of Sharon. He is the true vine. He's the Messiah. He's our teacher. He's the holy one. He's the mediator. He's the beloved. He's the branch. He's the carpenter. He's the light of the world. He's the word. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the Savior. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the Almighty. He's the everlasting Father. He's the King of Kings. He's the I Am. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the only begotten Son, and He's the Dayspring. He's our Redeemer. He's the Anchor. He's the Bright and the Morning Star. He's the Way, the Truth, and the Life. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. And many more things we could add to this today because, because his, his attributes are 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 many many attributes of who Jesus is and what he is he's our healer he's our savior he's our soon coming king but let me tell you something today when you say Jesus you've said it all praise god i'm glad i know who Jesus is today he's not he's not just part of a fictional trinity he is he is everything he is all in all i will finish up today by saying thank you again for your time and uh, listening in uh, it is very important to understand this, this doctrine today and have a revelation of it. Uh, Jesus, Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, there's that phrase again, you shall die in your sins. It is very important to understand and know this doctrine today. And I will finish by saying thank you for tuning in and listening. Hope it's uh, been a blessing and uh, strength to you today in Jesus' name.